0: Well, it's a glorious day here in Boston. Summertime is upon us, and it's been a while since we've done a podcast, Roland.
1: I know, too long. Way, Could way
0: too long. We're, I guess we're in the one-podcast-a-month piece right now. We've got a couple in the backlog, so that's good. Um, and today is another vendor.
1: We're lucky to have Claire Drummond from Atlassian. She runs their content strategy. She's in a in the product marketing group.
0: And we met a few of the folks from the Atlassian team when we were at Sprint One back in May. And it was nice to catch up with everyone, but also even nicer to kind of connect with them at a greater level.
1: Yeah, and caveat, uh, I am a longtime Atlassian customer and user, so definitely have a pretty significant appreciation for their solution.
0: And I've been a three-time indirect Confluence and Jira and all of the different pieces, parts user as well. So why don't we do this? Why don't we ring up Claire?
1: All right. Hi. Hey, Claire, Hi. how are you doing? Good. Welcome to the podcast. Thank um, you, are, thanks for having me. To kick it off, can you just start by sharing, us, sharing with us a little bit about what's your role at Atlassian and how is it that you came to applying Agile as, a, as an approach to the marketing function?
2: I uh, look after all of the Agile content that Atlassian produces and distributes, um, which is quite a bit of content if you haven't dug into it. (laughs) And uh, my role is essentially a product content strategist for the team that supports Jira software, Bitbucket and DevTools. Agile marketing for us is basically a necessity in order for us to stay in the loop with the product development cycle because we uh, work with product marketers and product managers. It's a little different than say like a corporate marketing role that is more about branding. Um, We are very much on the product side.
1: Gotcha. So when you talk about content, it sounds like you're talking about from your comment that you're more on the owned side of the customer life cycle everything from documentation to content in product, not so much stuff at the top of the funnel is that right?
2: No actually it's um, it's all at the top of the funnel. We definitely have a handshake with product who um, who distributes content within the in the product itself but um, what I'm looking after is much more top of the funnel thought leadership, we have a, a site devoted to teaching agile practices for software development, which we call the Agile Coach,
1: yeah, and we okay. have a
2: newsletter, yeah.
0: Well, this is a timely conversation because I'm in the middle of trying to implement our agile process, and I've got you know, a development team which has its own agile process, unfortunately not using using one of your competitors' products, but that's a different story for another day. And <laughs> um, you know, I'm trying to bring it into marketing. And the question I have to you is, I mean, do you have your own separate Agile process or are you, you know, just an addition to the existing Agile process?
2: No, we have our own separate process, if you'd like to call it that. <laughs> Something that, that we've done um, with our team is we've actually tried several different things. We started with Kanban, which was a response to the fact that product marketing oftentimes gets last minute requests. Actually, I would say 30% of the job is like that, maybe even more at times. So we had to figure out a way to respond to that. So originally, we started with Kanban, and then we, um, we also have a cross-functional team that doesn't relate to the product team at all, and we decided to implement Scrum for that. So in some ways, we're kind of doing Scrum Ban or Kanplan, depending on how you look at it. <laughs>
0: That's common. You, that's not yeah. unusual, to be honest with you. I mean, that's something that Roland and I hear over and over again on the podcast.
2: And I mean, I talk to tons of customers and and uh, agile coaches and realize that, that that is very, very common as well. And we see that on the software development side too. And at Atlassian, you know, our, we're not here to to tell you what framework to use. We just want to build tools that you can customize to fit your needs. So I'm definitely not somebody that's going to say, you know, Kanban is the only thing that works for agile marketing or whatever, because I don't really believe that.
1: <laughs> Can you talk about some of the rituals or the practices that you've taken from Scrum and, and Kanban and are using with your team? Are you doing um, scoping, things like planning poker? Are you doing daily stand-ups? Do you have cross-functional teams, those kinds of things?
2: Let's see. Let's start from the top. We, um, we have a backlog that we manage in our Kanban board. I realize that I'm calling it Kanban and not Kanban, which is a hot debate at Atlassian. So um, <laughs> I'll just take okay. that. Um, Yeah, we also debate if it should be uppercase or lowercase. Again, we can set that aside. So we use that as a backlog and then our team has daily stand-ups, which we actually do virtually through HipChat. We have cross-functional teams that include uh, design and various functions on the corporate marketing side, like content and editing and brand and that kind of stuff. And then we have a weekly um, sprint planning meeting, and we then go into our two-week sprint. Um, no well, retro. We do retros. Retros are a big deal. Um, actually, pretty much everybody does, regardless if they're practicing agile or not. They we do retrospectives after every big project. So, what do you think is
0: working well versus what is not?
2: Speaking of retrospectives, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I personally think that retros are are crucial to the health of the team and the productivity of the team they you know sometimes can be a little awkward but the in the spirit of being transparent i always feel that you know there are action items that come out of those and we um we continue to improve project over project because of that so that is definitely working um, something that doesn't work super well for us are standups. And I think that's just the nature of the way that the team is structured because we, um, as product marketers, are each on our own projects and our own teams. Uh, we we often have product project teams that are separate. And so for us to come together and tell each other what we're working on, we're not necessarily blocked by other people. And so it's kind of irrelevant to the rest of the- uh,
0: This is the classic challenge. and I think we've had this conversation once before with someone where it's a product marketing team, and this is analogous to that, where you know, everyone, if you've got a product marketing team, you have a product marketing manager who's got one product, someone's got another product, someone's got another product, and that's the point you're making is there's no overlap. So that right. makes the... Yeah. Now, what about... I mean, does that, does that mean you, have, you still have one team, though?
2: That's right. And we share a lot of the same tactics and um, strategies across the board. So something that we've been kind of toying with to make it a little bit more beneficial to everybody is to actually do more of a demo or show and tell on a regular basis. So that way we can start to get the, you know, the learnings from each other in like a steady cadence. I think that's a little bit more appropriate for our team structure than, um, say, a standup would be.
1: I'm curious to just follow up a little bit. You mentioned a second ago that you were using... Uh, HipChat to do your your scrum meetings or your stand up. Can you talk a little bit about that? Why are you doing that? Is it done um, text only? And is it how does it relate to where your team is located?
2: Our team is, for the most part, all located in the same office in San Francisco. But we, you know, our headquarters is in Sydney and we travel a lot. So in Just the fact, the sheer fact that we are not always in the same place at the same time. Actually, that's very rare. So we decided to implement this stand-up. It's at the same time every day. It's in the afternoon, um, which is a little rare because uh, Sydney time, um, that's when Sydney comes online. So we're finishing up our day and they're starting theirs. So our stand-up is in the afternoon. It's And we just use the HitChat bot, the stand-up bot. And it's all text. And the way it's structured is there's three, three points. One, what you're working on, what, two, what you're going to work on next and three, if you have any blockers. And if you have any blockers, then you would ping whoever it is that you need to talk to. And then you're supposed to take it offline from there.
1: Gotcha. That's awesome. I'm going to have to look up your hip chat, stand up bot. That sounds fun.
2: Yeah. It's, um, it's just, slash stand up or stand up slash one of the uh now I have to look it up <laughs> but it's it's pretty cool and then um the thing that we like about it too is that if somebody misses it or comes in late you can um, recall all the um all the notes from the stand up by um by a certain command
0: I guess in the, in the eating your own dog food camp as well We will, for sure. For sure. sure. I mean, have you ever, I mean, this is the thing that I've been thinking about most recently is, you know, what's the optimal orientation?
2: If you could set your team up where you're not necessarily managing them, it's more of a shared services team. And one of the ways that we actually mitigate that is through program managers, and the program managers sit on the other team. They don't sit on the product marketing team. And they, um, they go through their own entire agile process to manage time and scope and, um, and figure out availability before they come into our, our sprint planning meeting. So they already know the capacity of the people on that team um, before they come into our sprint planning meeting. And then we throw you know, a million requests at them. So are they
0: coming when they're doing their sprint planning, they're coming to you and saying, Hey, is it tail
2: wagging dog or dog wagging tail? I guess the Now you're talking about agile at scale. Um the way that the way that we work, I, I don't really know what how you would define this, but um I do find it really interesting because I've been in Atlassian for about two years and this is by far the most organized company I've ever been at. Granted, that's what our tools are for. So I guess it makes sense. But so the way that we do it is it all it all kind of boils down from the VTFM, which are you familiar with what that is? Vision theme?
1: Yeah, can you share us share that a little bit with our listeners?
2: It's a high level framework.
1: You know, how is it that you're tying your practice to the strategic vision? Do you use a frame, something like an OKR framework? And how to what degree is that prevalent across the company?
2: We absolutely do. And um, the, that is that is the, um, the strategic imperatives come up every year and we have a, a weekly town hall meeting and they are brought up almost every week um, for people that are new to the company and just to remind us. So. There's there's very much a vision that we are all working towards and we are challenged to ask ourselves um, every time we come up with a new project or plan, if it rolls up into that strategic imperative. And then from there, the teams have OKRs, which they set on a quarterly basis. And those OKRs, again, for our team specifically, we have a set of kind of higher level OKRs that go across ourselves and that go across ourselves. And the um, the product team, so the product marketing team and the product team all roll up into the same, you know, for again strategic initiatives or imperatives, and then we have OKRs from there. Those are set. We set them quarterly, but the um, it all rolls up into the VTFM. The OKR process is really interesting, and I think that we um, continually try to unpack how to do this the most efficiently because. We are so data-driven that sometimes the data and the analysis take over the planning, and uh, we try to...
1: I think we have a good sense from everything you've just shared with us about um, where you're focused and um, sort of the nature of your practice, the methods you use, and how it fits into the ecosystem at and I'm interested to go get back a little bit to the content and to talk about... Um, things that you've done to tailor your practice to your specific um, function, which has to do with content creation. One question that comes up a lot for me, I'm also very focused on um, content, is can you just share what percentage of the content that you're producing is actually just an iteration on existing content compared to net new content that you're creating? Because this is something that I feel like a lot of marketers struggle with. I think in general, marketers should be much more focused on iterating on content than creating that new content. So I'd love to hear kind of how you manage that balance.
2: I totally agree with you. The amount of content that I iterate on is a lot. And we are, like I said, we're very data-driven. So there are certain themes, like if you want to talk about SEO, I could probably talk to you for an hour about that. But the... Um, we're very focused on certain themes that are are really important to our strategy as a company and agile is one of them. So I see, you know, us grooming and gardening that content um, as maybe 60% of what we do. And then 40% is content creation. Uh, Content creation is really interesting too, because it's to me content is developing content is no different than product development i know that might be a little controversial to say but if you take it down to to the tactics and what goes into it it's it's exactly the same process and it requires the same amount of people cross functional teams so i think it's the perfect place to to start an agile practice and content creation is like a new feature and iteration is is basically bug fixing and and iterating and making something better.
0: I like that analogy. I really do. I mean, I think, you know, if you think of that abstract or the, you know, minimally, the minimal viable description of what you're trying to create and then work from there. I mean, it certainly makes a lot of sense.
1: What do you see as an MVP when it comes to product? I mean, sorry, when it comes to content,
2: the way I see, like if you say we're talking about a, a thought leadership article, um, that is focused on capturing some keyword. I think that uh, the MVP for that article is is responding to the need and making sure that what you know your customers want to read about that you're addressing and that you're saying you know important things that that you can gather from all sorts of data um, around keyword research and you know competitive research and that kind of thing. Um, I think it's really important to get that content out. And then I think it's important to look back and see what keyword it, keywords it's actually ranking for, and what queries people are actually using to get to that content. And it may surprise you. It probably will surprise you. It probably won't be what you thought it was.
0: So I was just going to ask like a more linear question, which is you know, oftentimes I've seen even in. You have this kind of okay. We have an abstract, we have an outline, we have a review, you know, whatever review cycles you have. I mean, does that get atomized and built into the Kanban, or is that more like okay, you you look at it as a holistic unit?
2: We try to break the work down by epics. So, the way that uh, a piece of content would be developed would be depending on how big it is, it might be an epic itself, or it might be part of a bigger epic with with lots of pieces. Um so each ticket essentially would be a different part of building that piece of content.
0: So Oh, okay. So you do break it down into pieces parts. I, I've always been yeah. in that great debate. I tend to like to break it into pieces parts, although it ends up, you know, things get a bit it gets you end up with a lot more smaller tasks, but it also yeah. helps you in terms of sizing and shaping and, and allocating and
2: absolutely. Um so yeah, maybe- I think-
1: Can I ask the question in a slightly different way? Yeah. So when you think about creating, for example, a new guide, okay, do you start that process by writing a bunch of blog posts that you think that's going to be the testing ground for you to test ideas, test narratives, see what resonates? And then later on, based on the data that you get back from those lightweight blog posts, you'll actually start working on the more fully featured version of the product which is the guide right is that a a a does that narrative make sense to you is that something that you see yourself doing or are you prototyping your content and testing your content in a different way
2: no i think what you outlined is probably the closest we would definitely test it out in the market we're not really doing you know any type of, you know, user testing.com on content or anything like that. Yeah. So I, I think it's much more about getting the content out, uh, testing it through a blog post. And then something that is frustrating that I've learned is that it takes a really long time to get the feedback that you want. You, can, you won't find it in a couple of weeks. So you kind of have to revisit it, you know, several months later and keep it on your radar. And I know we all like to, to get stuff out and then move on. So that's kind of the hard part about all of this.
0: Well, Claire, this has been an amazing conversation, and I feel like I learned I learned some new things every time we talk to people. Um, I just wanted to kind of ask one question, quick question for you. Um, sure. Which is anyone who's thinking about? We try to ask this question of our speakers. Anyone who's thinking about they're a marketer and they they're in a traditional waterfall organization, but they're starting to think about. Bringing agile into their marketing practice, into their marketing function. What advice would you give to someone who's thinking about trying to get on that path?
2: Start small. I think that agile and any kind of like large organizational change can only be made with doing small little projects and proof points and showing that it can be successful. And so agile is tough because carving out a particular project to run you know a sprint on you will no doubt get interrupted in that sprint and it will be nearly impossible (laughs) so so I, i would just say try try smaller things like content is a really easy way to um implement agile both kanban or sprints because as marketers we pretty much wholly own that process and, uh, and all the pieces that go into that process. So, yep. uh, you know, that's, that's what we did. We started with, with uh, content and then it grew from there
0: super well claire i appreciate your time today and just as a reminder to our listeners out there that you can find the marketing agility podcast on itunes as well as at agile you can if you have a story to tell the share you're trying to make it work with your marketing team with agile you can reach out to roland at our smartly or myself at tangy slice on the twitters claire thank you again and everyone out there please stay agile